Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy owners, managers, and their trusted advisors who are looking to take themselves and their businesses to their next level of performance, resilience, and success in the dairy farming business. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to bring you the stories and thought leaders to help take you to your next up level. On this episode of the Up Level Dairy Podcast, we welcome advocate Tara Vanderdeusen. Tara is well known for being a voice for dairy sustainability. And on this episode, you will walk away with tips for sharing dairy's sustainability messages, a bigger view of what sustainability means beyond the environmental side, talking about it from a business side and a social side. You'll hear about Tara's new role as a member of the Dairy Checkoff Board. And if you stay tuned to the end, you will hear Tara's answers to the Up Level 5. This episode is sponsored by Up Level Dairy Podcast founding partner, Adiseo, a global leader in nutritional solutions and premier provider of rumen-protected methionine for dairy producers who want to optimize milk production, capture more value from components, and maintain the health of their high-performing herds. On this episode of the Up Level Dairy Podcast, we welcome Tara Vanderdeusen, who's joining us today. And perhaps you follow Tara on social media as the New Mexico Milkmaid, or maybe you even listen to her podcast, where she co-hosts the Discover Egg podcast. But above all, Tara is a dairy farmer. And so if you don't know Tara, I want to give you a second, Tara, to go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners of the Up Level Dairy Podcast. Yeah, so I grew up on my family's dairy farm in eastern New Mexico. Um, I went away to college, got my degree in environmental science, ended up dating and ultimately marrying my husband. And he also and his family are also involved in dairy. Um, and so I moved back to New Mexico and now dairy farm with my husband, his parents, and um, several of his brothers and their family. My role specifically on the dairy has always been from the environmental side of things. So I have spent the last 10 years working as an environmental consultant for dairy farms throughout New Mexico. So not like our dairy is my client. My parents' dairy is my client, but then I've had clients throughout New Mexico as well. And then, as you mentioned, about seven years ago, I decided to start sharing online about dairy. I was just seeing a lot of misinformation around dairy and its impact on the environment. And I just kind of wanted to share my perspective as, um, you know, a dairy farmer with a background in environmental science. And that has led to so many other things, like you mentioned, um, Discover or to hosting Discover Ag Podcast. Uh, so yeah, just a little bit about me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Tara. And uh, just, just a shout out to the work that you're doing through the Discover Egg podcast. And I'm going to tell you why I really like it. So uh, I quit watching the news a few years ago during COVID <laughs> and like the whole thing, right? Like I could no longer feel good as a mom having the news on during dinner time when I was cooking and how everything that was being put out in front of my kids. And so really, and I don't think I'm alone in this space where I rely on a lot of other sources other than the news to find out what's going on in the world. And so what I appreciate about what you do with Discover Ed Podcast is bringing in some of those headlines and conversations and really um, taking them and, and talking about how they pertain to dairy. And so one thing that um, I heard you talk about recently that, you know, that I hadn't been as aware that it should have been was the situation for dairy farmers in the Netherlands. And that's your heritage, right? Um, 
can you just just give us a quick little little update on the on what's going on over there and why we need to be caring about it and dairy farmers here in the U.S. Yeah. So on Discover Ag, like you mentioned, we just cover news pieces. Essentially, that's the basis of our podcast. And one we have been following for a while now is what is going on with the protest um, of the farmers in the Netherlands. Um, My dad's a first generation here in the United States. And so um, actually, he has some cousins that still dairy farm in the Netherlands. So it really does hit pretty close to home for what's going on there. Um, But essentially, there is some crazy regulations that are being um, put, you know, passed through the pipeline, put down onto farmers. It's not just dairy farmers. It is farmers across the board, and it is about nitrogen emissions. Um, it is hitting, obviously, animal ag and dairy harder, I think, even than just um, row crop farmers. Um, but essentially, the farmers have kind of had enough and are protesting uh, these regulations and the different things that are passing. And it's not just the Netherlands. I mean, we're seeing regulations in Ireland about cutting, um, like, culling cows and removing part of their livestock as much as 30%. Uh, in the Netherlands, they're talking about actually buying farms from farmers, whether, whether the farmers really want to sell it or not. Uh, in New Zealand, we're seeing taxes being put on the farmers, on uh, the animal ag farmers. So, I mean, it is crazy what's going on out there. But at the same time, as crazy as it is, I think it is something we have to kind of keep um, an eye on because I don't think it's like that crazy. <laughs> and it's like, I really can see yeah, that. You, you know, crazy. You deal with crazy all day long. <laughs> yeah. I like, I think that this is, um, I think we, like, I, I worry like what this will mean for the United States and our farmers here. So it's something that we should definitely keep an eye on. Yeah. And if I understand correctly, it's uh, almost like a forced exodus, right? Like um, in the Netherlands in particular, where the initiatives are coming from the government to say, okay, we're going to not just give you recommendations and regulations, we're going to force this. Force this by removing cows. Force this by removing farms. And as we said, it in kind of a forceful way. And that, I think, is where, you know, those of us in the U.S., we, we always have to be paying attention to what's going on in the world because things that happen overseas, they, they do come here. Just like, you know, here in the Midwest where I'm at, things that happen on the coast, they eventually come here. Um, I mean, like, we could talk about all kinds of issues in the world. But I mean, even at the end of the day, we could talk about fashion trends too. Like here in the Midwest, we can get those a little bit later. Than the rest of us <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think what's crazy about this entire thing is like the Netherlands is a major exporter. So a lot of their products leave their country. And so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out with the countries that the that they export to um, and that are really dependent on those imports from the Netherlands. Um, so it's such a, you know, you think about our like each country, but really in today's world, I mean, we're a global world. And so a decision of one country is going to have a rippling effect on so many other uh, places, so many other countries, so many other people. Yeah, absolutely. And Tara, this whole conversation that pertains to environmental sustainability is really the segue into our conversation today. And so, you know, really sustainability has become your brand. It's what you're known for. It's the message that that you carry and that people, when they see what they think of sustainability from an environmental standpoint. And so Tara, for you, like just what, what does that word sustainability mean to you? I feel like it has become such a buzzword and carries like such heavy weight for people. Like it means so many different things to so many different people. For me, when I think about sustainability and really like the root of what it was supposed to mean, it is 
like threefold. You know, when we talk about this a lot in sustainability, sustainability means, you know, the environmental side of things, being sustainable, leaving the land, the resources in the best state that you can. Um, I think it means financially sustainable. Nothing is sustainable if it's not financially viable. And then the final piece for me is like socially acceptable. Um, There is that social component, whether it's about our food or how we farm or just different things. uh, We got to include what is socially acceptable for for people, for businesses, for companies. Absolutely. And Tara, that is what we're going to dig into today. We're going to be having this conversation that talks a little bit about environmental sustainability, how that pertains to agriculture, but also being sustainable as a dairy farming business. And some of the things that you are doing, you and your husband, Daniel, with your own dairy farm to really look at the future and look at your place in this industry from a sustainable standpoint. And we'll touch a little bit on what it looks like bigger picture for that social acceptance and a new role that you have in making that all happen. And so, Tara, it, you you speak on stages all over the world. You are a voice representing those of us in the dairy community talking about environmental sustainability and these other aspects of sustainability as you just defined. And uh, and thank you for doing that because uh, <laughs> you are doing the thing that a lot of us don't want to do and you're so good at it and so eloquent. But my question for you, for the dairy farmers and dairy industry folks listening, is what is the elevator speech that we should all be able to pull out of our own back pockets when it comes to dairy sustainability? Yeah, such a good question. Um, and my answer is going to be like, it's going to look different for everyone. I think that for everyone, you should have your elevator speech of kind of what it is. And really, it's the root of whatever it is you are doing. We all are doing something. Um, when I actually very first started sharing online, and I remember my husband asked me, like, give me an example of what you would like to share about. And I was like, well, we recycle water on our dairy. And he was like, yeah. I'm like, so does everybody else. Like, this is not something exciting. And even though that's not something that exciting to dairy farmers, it's something a lot of us do, if not all of us, it's really interesting to consumers or people that don't know about dairy. So have one thing that you're doing on your dairy that may spark interest in um, if you were talking to a consumer. They want to know what we're doing. And it makes it so much more personal when you can talk about your own farm and practices that you're doing. And by showing them that it's some of the simple little things can have the biggest impact on the overall numbers of what you know sustainability looks like, um, I think always kicks off the conversation in a really great way. I love having like some facts to back up whatever that story is. So my fact for water, for recycling water, is that dairy farmers have reduced their water use by over 60% in the last 75 years. And so just by being able to share like with someone like we recycle water on our dairy, so does everybody else. And here is the impact that has. Um, It really like demonstrates something personal while also representing the industry as a whole. Yeah. Well, thank you for those tips. And uh, and so what I'm hearing you say, Tara, is find that one thing, you know, look at your dairy or for those of uh, those of our listeners that are working in industry and not visiting dairies, look at the dairies that you're working with and find that one thing, that one thing that can be the key message that you're able to share with, you know, another parent when you are sitting at a sporting event, right? Or share with um, someone that you're bumping into when you're at a meeting that's maybe outside of agriculture and be able to have those messages that are going to resonate and that you can just pull out of your back pocket so that you can be a a sustainability advocate for dairy yourself and and make it easy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
I was going to say, I think like for industry, yeah, like think about the part of the industry that you're a part of. Are you a part of like the nutrition and feed side? There's amazing information about, you know, cattle consuming the byproducts and the impact that has. If you are on the vet side, like there's amazing things about genetics and how those are improving our sustainability. Like you can come at it from so many different angles of whatever your specialty is and just have like a few facts that really back you up as a part of your overall story. Ah, well, thank you, Tara. That makes it that makes it tangible and doable for all of us because it's all of our jobs, not just yours. It's all of our jobs. Uh, and so, okay, so let's take another swing at the sustainability term. And you laid it out before sustainability, having this three prong approach, one from the environmental standpoint, but then also from the financial standpoint. And so the swing I want to take at this with you, Tara, is that, you know, you are, you are a mom, you are a wife, you are a business owner and part of the dairy farm that Daniel owns with his parents and their family. So bigger picture, bigger picture. How are you and Daniel looking at your dairy farm as a sustainable business structure? That is such a good question. And I feel like it could go in so many different directions. But, you know, for us, I feel like I've been in dairy my whole life. And so has Daniel. We have seen a lot of the challenges and opportunities that we faced over the last 30 years. I mean, a lot of my childhood, I feel like was shaped around what the milk price was doing. Was it high or was it low? And um, that's just a reality. And I, I think about that, the role that's probably having on our kids now and how it's shaping them and what kind of financial decisions and, and financial like entrepreneurs they'll be when they're older. Um, and so for me and Daniel, I think one of the things we've really thought about is um, diversification. I have always actually, even though I've worked as a part of the dairy, I actually have an off-farm job, always have, of bringing in a different source of income for our family outside of dairy. Um, some of the investments we've chosen to make have been outside of dairy just so that we have a little bit um, of some different income streams coming in besides the dairy. And then on the dairy, I think that for us, it's about every like little thing that you can be doing. Um, we've been really focused on beef on dairy recently. And it's something my husband and I talked about actually, actually just last night was beef on dairy has always been a part of, you know, our business strategy. We've always beefed cows. That is part of dairy. But I think that we have really um, stepped up in the last couple of years of really making that a more viable business, focusing on it more. What? How do we actually maximize returns on that? Um, and so things like that of like really thinking about those income streams on your farm and how you can maximize them. I mean, we're, we've been looking into solar. We've been looking into some manure management options. Like how does each piece of the dairy like bring in or save us money um, on the dairy as a whole? Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is you are looking at being diverse and in income streams that come from outside of agriculture, uh, but then also doubling down on what you're already doing and saying, how can we maximize um, what we're doing in these areas? You mentioned genetics and the beef on dairy segment. Uh, so could you share with us a little bit on on what that looks like? Are you, uh, do you have a program that you are marketing your cattle into? Or are you looking to take some full ownership through the chain? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, we've just kind of started like, I feel like dabbling in this more. Um, this has actually been kind of, I feel like my husband's passion project over the last several months or even a year and plus now. And um, we have been crossing obviously to a beef um, for all of our um, cow 
for the replacement heifers we don't need, we've been crossing to uh, beef cows. And some of those we sell at day olds. And then we've actually been keeping some, raising them up to a larger weight um, and then having them enter the um, market. And we've been talking about going even further than that. Like at what point, like, you know, where does it make the most sense for us to raise them up to versus selling them? Um, and so it's been a big learning curve for us. Um, obviously, like that we need to have the space for them, all, you know, the pens for them, all of that, like technical side of things. Um, and so we've just been kind of like growing this slowly and seeing what what we're able to do and how it makes sense for us. Um, and so it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. It's always funny to go in the barn and see uh, black cows instead of black and white cows. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a big change. Days we never imagined as kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so will there be a, will there ever be a day where maybe folks in New Mexico will walk into the grocery store and see New Mexico milk made branded beef? I don't want to say never say never, but I don't see that at this point in time. I, I don't think I want to get into marketing beef or being a direct to consumer um, beef operation per se. Um, but I don't know. I've, I've um, eaten my words before when I've said things or said never. So I said I would not have a podcast and here I am with a podcast. So I'm not going to say never, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. yeah. So, but ultimately, you know, really looking, like you said, at uh, how to how to take some of those revenue streams from different sectors of the dairy business and and look at them differently than we've looked at them in the past. Uh, and you know, when we really look at that bigger picture of the financial sustainability piece of whether it's your dairy business or others in in your area in your family, um, because you come from a big dairy family on both sides of the tree, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what uh, speak a little bit into what being sustainable and how you're doing that and securing things like labor and milk markets. Those are a couple of the big conversations with dairy producers across the country. What does it look like in your neck of the woods? Yeah, so I feel like for a future markets side of things, I actually think sustainability from an environmental side of things will come into play big time in the years to come. I think there's going to be more and more brands looking to maximize on what that um, carbon neutral or net zero looks like. Um, I think that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out for dairy. I mean, we're already seeing that in other markets outside of agriculture. You know, if you buy anything like on Amazon right now, there's like a little green label that tells you whether it was like carbon neutral or, you know, whatever it is, they've got their little flag on there. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I feel like the first time we see like a label on like um, a carton of eggs or on a piece of bread or whatever it is that says like this was carbon neutral. Uh, I'm kind of just like waiting for the days for that to take off and see how it plays out and what it means for us. I think it could mean a lot of opportunity. I don't think it it will be all bad. Um, I think it'll probably come with challenges just like anything. Um, and a lot will go into it. But I think I'm I'm interested to see how that future market plays out for all types of agriculture. Um, as far as a labor, um, that, you know, I feel like across the country we're facing challenges. I know certain parts of the country are facing it more than others. Um, I feel like so far we've been pretty lucky here in New Mexico. Um, but it's something we definitely have to think about. 
Uh, I think from a sustainability side for our farm longevity here in New Mexico, our probably our biggest focus right now is water. We definitely have a um, water table that is decreasing, um, a water supply that's decreasing. We, we don't have any surface water, so we're completely reliant on groundwater. Uh, we're in a massive drought, so none of these factors are helping us with this water crisis that we're in. And so I think for me, when I really think about sustainability for our our farm or longevity of our farm it is figuring out how we're going to continue farming with less water continue you know dairy operations with less water um and you know it's kind of a scary prospect uh for for all of us here in you know new mexico and and the west in general i mean it's not just in new mexico i was in utah last week and i know they're facing water challenges um california arizona colorado um so not just unique to us but um it is a big I mean, I cannot overstate, I don't think, how big of a concern it is for for us right now. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up, Tara, because as you mentioned, in your neck of the woods, that is is a thing that's on everybody's mind since the water the water issue, um, being able to do more with less water. And so now you get exposed to a lot of cool technologies and conversations doing what you do, Tara. So what is the most exciting thing that you have heard about that could potentially be one of the dairy industry's keys to saving more water? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think that we're going to have to get a lot more creative with our crops. I mean, we know our crops are what's using water. So I don't know if there's a single technology. I think it's overall development. I know on our farm, we've gotten pretty creative um, or (laughs) thinking outside the box with what kind of crops we can grow and really trying to utilize those drought tolerant crops, working really closely with our land grant university to see what they're testing, what mixes they're using, what varieties they're using. Um, And then I think, you know, the more I learn about like soil health is maximizing that, um, the soil moisture, what's in there by increasing organic matter. We know we can have a larger water holding capacity for our soils. So I think we're going to have to continue getting like really down to the nitty gritty, like no pun intended, the soil and seeing how, how we can continue to grow things with less water. And I think a lot of it will go back to soil health. Yeah, yeah. So uh, any insights on, um, you know, vertically and indoor grown forages and some of the (laughs) things that we've seen videos and pictures of? So we actually went pretty like deep down the rabbit hole of um, doing indoor growing in hopes of reducing water use. Um, And we were, I mean, seriously researching the technology, talking with companies. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. It was really amazing to see. I think we have to get to a point, though, where the feed, making sure the feed quality is as good as, you know, the feed that's grown in a traditional way. Um, I think that one of the things that we can't forget is it takes inputs to grow anything. It's going to take resources. Um, I mean, that's with, you know, growing literally any food, any product that we have. Uh, It takes inputs. And so there's not, I mean, I feel like we all want like a, an easy way or a shortcut or like some some way we can skip a corner. Um, and I feel like the more I, I research some of these technologies, I think they're almost there. It's we just need a, a little more push, a little more work um, to get them where they need to be um, while still, you know, minimizing the inputs we need to have the maximum outputs. Yeah. And this is uh, this is where everything comes together, meets in the middle between the picture of environmental sustainability and that financial sustainability piece that you touched on. 
Right. I mean, you can talk about implementing all the technology in the world. And I think if you did that, you'd be broke really quickly. So making sure that whatever technology you're implementing is going to make financial sense um, and that it's not just going to make financial sense this year, but it's going to make financial sense 10 years from now. In the environmental world, I've seen so many times where I've worked with clients where something new came up and, and people jumped on it. And very quickly, it was either outdated or it wasn't what people thought. And then they were kind of backpedaling or whatever that investment was that they made. And so I just think we have to think through longevities of these sustainable technologies that we're implementing um, and really how they'll affect the bottom line, you know, one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. Um, as, you know, as your dairy ages, you need the technology to age with it. And um, you don't want to be every, you know, every three years you're investing in brand new technology to get you back up to date. Like it, it really needs to stand the test of time. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with the conversations on carbon credits and being able to use that as in some ways a, an income stream for a lot of dairies, a potential income stream, but a lot of decision-making factors around finding those right partners and the right processes to go along with that. Any insights you can share in that, Tara, from your environmental scientist background? Yeah, I'm definitely not a carbon credit expert, but it is something I've been really loving to follow because I think that is another thing um, that is one of those income streams that we were talking about at the very beginning of like really maximizing the income streams on the dairy that we can. Um, and I feel like carbon credits could be one of those. A lot of times, um, you know, you've seen me give my keynote speech. I talk about how a lot of times, you know, manure is considered a liability on farms. And if we could sell carbon credits where we have a carbon neutral or better farm and we were actually able to turn it into an asset that was making us money like gosh that's some real opportunity there to to really bring in an entirely new source of revenue for the farm um and i you know i've talked with dairy farms that are doing this and hearing what they're doing and how how it's working for them and it's incredible to see there's still a lot of kinks to iron out there's still a lot of unknowns in this space like you said there's a ton of due diligence when you get into this um but there is definitely opportunity which i think should kind of excite all of us um I was t interviewing with um, Dr. Von Holder recently, and he had a quote that I loved, and it was agriculture and forestry are literally the only in industries on the planet that our job is to remove carbon in order to make food. Like that's our job is to remove carbon from the atmosphere. Nobody else can say that. And in a world where everyone's talking about being carbon neutral, that really puts farmers like at the root of this conversation and um, a really great resource for this. Absolutely. And I think we all found a new back pocket elevator quote that we can pull out. <laughs> such a good quote. He did he was quote worthy. Yeah, such a such a good one. Um and so Jared, we've touched on these different aspects, the environmental side, the business and financial side of of sustainability. And that last piece that you mentioned is social acceptance. And uh in the direction I want to go with this with you, Tara, is because uh you, I mean your advocacy history, super, super strong online. But you have a new role that will allow you to have some bigger conversations about how dairy products are marketed to consumers. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, I recently was just appointed to um, our national checkoff board for DMI. I am so honored to have been um, chosen for that. It was something I had been thinking about for a while, and it was one of those things I just didn't think I was qualified. I just um, kind of imposter syndrome. I know that that is like, I feel like a trending word right now, but that's truly how I felt. And um, it actually, the board member who served before me, um, he's a friend of my dad's and he, he actually like very much encouraged me to apply. And, and I was like, I just don't think I know enough, like, you know, the ins and outs of the dairy. Like I come at it from an environmental side, not necessarily like day-to-day management side. And he was really encouraging that like, we need a, a diverse background on the board. Um, and that what I can bring from a social media side, as well as the environmental side could be something a little bit different than, you know, somebody else could offer. Um, and so I was really thankful for that encouragement. And so I have our first meeting coming up in a couple of weeks, so I don't have a ton of information yet, but I'm excited to serve. I hope, um, It'll be interesting to see checkoff from the inside out kind of and um, see what's going on. I know I feel like with my role on sharing online, I have a pretty good relationship with DMI, but I'm excited to get in more. Um, I I feel like we I like don't want to offend any older male listeners, but I feel like as the woman of the household who buys our groceries, I'm excited to be able to get on the board and, and have conversations about discuss what conversations I'm having with other women who are buying. What am I seeing? What am I seeing other moms talk about? What are the things I'm seeing online that are concerns of people when they're in the grocery store? What, what's like holding milk back? Um, I think everyone, when you join a board, you go on so excited to change things. Um, but I'm also really excited to learn um, from all of the fellow board members, from the staff at DMI, um, and just and get into more of what it takes for us to market our milk. Yeah, absolutely. And and Tara, I like how you just set up that statement of like, you know, what is it, what is it, what does it take to maintain that spot, you know, for milk in the consumer's refrigerator? And uh and so I'm curious what you know, you have these conversations with consumers every single day online. You've built a career around it, you've built a, a name for yourself by doing so. Um, so when you look at the future and you put all these pieces together. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for dairy to maintain its foothold in the American consumer's refrigerator? That is like, I love that question. I was asked that question similarly, like, what would it take for me to be excited about my daughters to join the the dairy industry? And I think it's similar. Like, what is it going to take for us to be like key players in the future markets as we like always have been? I think it's going to be a number of different things. I think it's going to be really being open-minded to the possibility of change. Um, I think about our gallon of milk and how little it has changed in the last 50 years and how the products around it are evolving rapidly and changing. Um, Not necessarily the contents. I think that we have the perfect product that consumers want. We have um, a product with one ingredient that's high protein, nutrient packed, super bioavailable nutrients. I think people are getting, our consumers are getting really savvy on what nutrients mean and how they need to get protein and all of those different factors. And I think our product serves that so well. I just think that our consumers now are looking for a little flashier products typically. And I feel like the the old fashioned gallon of milk doesn't always um, serve that. So I do think there's opportunity for change there. Um, I think there's opportunity for looking at new ways we're going to market. I know like um, from the like e-gaming side, I have just been kind of like following how dairy is getting involved in promoting during the e-games. 
I we don't play video games in my household, so I don't really like know a lot about it. Um, but it's been fascinating to see like that market and how it's changing. Um, and then just last night, I was going through social media and I really I found out that there's gonna be a new app released. Um, and I know probably people are like rolling there. I was like, oh my gosh, we need another social media app. Like we need, like we do not, that's the last thing we need. But I just think like staying on trends and having dairy be really, um, engaged in those new ways could be important. And then I think like authenticity, uh, consumers want to know where their food's coming from. And that puts dairy again in such a positive role. We have, you know, 37,000 dairy farm families across the country for people to get to know. And, I think that we have incredible stories to tell. I think the way that we are interacting with our cows every single day, that we're, you know, milking them every single day um, really fascinates people. And so we just have to get kind of those messages out there um, and in building that kind of like like no trust factor with our consumers so that they really like trust dairy farmers at the core and then ultimately trust our product, want to purchase it, want to serve it in their homes. Um, so I don't know, kind of, I guess, I, adapting to the, the modern the modern day and what our modern consumer needs from us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Tara. And I can I can totally relate to that, you know, whether it's from the marketing angles, the products themselves, the positioning of the nutrition, right? Like I just finally jumped on the macro tracking bandwagon. Um, so I'm like, oh, wow, you know, when you look at protein needs for, you know, women that are active and, you know, working out, like, you know, how do you get all that protein? Well, I can tell you now that I'm a lot more conscientious about it, the best way to get it is, uh, you know, one of those little fair long spot, high protein, milligram, you know, low carb, not a ton of calories, and they taste really good, right? Um, but I can also tell you, uh, this is true story from my house this morning on the uh, challenges of, of dairy packaging. Um, gallons, of, like you said, the gallon of milk hasn't changed in a really long time. Well, true story, I have a five-year-old that thinks he's Spider-Man, and this morning, um, he literally clinked in to the, you know, refrigerator. Like, you know, there's like the freezer on the bottom, the, the doors open on the top. And for whatever reason, he thinks it's really fun to climb up inside of the refrigerator, knocks over a full gallon of milk and does a wash darn thing, hit the tile floor, bust open. Oh, I'm my like, God. I'm like, you know, the part of me was like, there's got to be a better way. Right. And the other part of me was like, you know what? If I got to buy one more gallon of milk and support my friends, I will do it. But there's nothing worse than spilled milk and there's nothing worse than sour milk. So, oh, yeah, that's like a that's like a, a full kitchen cleanup because, you know, it splatters all over the cabinets. It goes under the fridge. You're like and it's sticky when I mean, it is like a full on. I yes, my child also my youngest is famous for climbing up the fridge, same style fridge to get out her favorite yogurts. And I'm just like, I'm just waiting for I don't know her to fall and bust her head or something like that to happen, like the entire gallon of milk to end up on my kitchen floor. Yes. Yeah, so you and I, we're keeping our dairy farm friends in business. Yeah. <laughs> With our high consumption or high uh, spill spill volume of yeah, milk. High spill rate in our households. <laughs> well, and Tara, speaking of being a mom, uh, well, let's just take a couple steps back here because you're doing a lot of stuff. You are, you know, this tireless advocate for dairy. You are dairy's voice for sustainability. You are, you know, you are working mom and you're a human that still needs to take care of yourself at the end of the day. And, you know, when we talk about sustainability, sometimes I think the conversation we forget 
is how we as individuals have to be sustainable ourselves. And um, I had a conversation with a girlfriend a, a couple of years ago. So I always choose one word for the year. It's kind of my thing, you know, one word um, that you'll live by for the year. And my good girlfriend, her name's Morale. She's a dairy farmer. And, uh, and one year I asked her, you know, what's your word? And she said, my word is sustainable. Like not in trying to change the environment and not in trying to do what you're doing, Tara, but what do I need in my life to be able to sustain my energy, sustain the way I want to show up for my family, sustain the way I want to, you know, serve and give back. And I thought that, you know, that really brings that word sustainability into a different lens. And so my question for you, Tara, is how do you approach sustainability as as a woman and as and as a dairy farm family, you know, there's so many things that are going on in your lives and Daniel too, and the girls as they get older. What does that view of sustainability look like to you? Yeah. So I feel like it's a couple things. I feel like a letting go of the idea that you can do it all. Like you can't, you cannot. Um, I feel like it was once described to me as like, oh, we have to keep all the balls in the air. And I realized you don't have to keep all the balls in the air. You only have to keep the really important balls in the air. So really deciding like what my priorities are and what what matters to my family. Um, some of the things that I like let go, like my, my mom dies a little bit on the inside, but like my kids do not care if I bring home baked cookies to their classroom. We've talked about it. It's one of the things I've asked. Do, is it like, do you want me to bring, you know, no, I would actually just rather have the store cupcakes. Great. Like letting go of that, like need to feel like I have to do something because of whatever reasons. And I mean, the cookies and cupcakes is one example, but that is not going to be the make or break I in our family of what matters. And so like letting go of some of those small things to make room for the bigger things. And by bigger things, sometimes that just means having more time in the evenings with my kids. Um, you know, we are in an age where my kids, everybody's kids are signed up for a thousand activities and setting some real limits there and saying, no, like we're going to respect boundaries of our family and have family time. So I feel like approaching it from that of like letting some things go um, and holding the things that are really important to the highest standard and then relying on people in my life. I rely heavily on my husband and my mother um, to help me, you know, with the girls. I travel a lot for work. So, I mean, you can relate to this as well. Like it, it takes people then stepping in and, and helping. Um, and even that, like letting go that maybe they're going to do it a little bit different than me. I've seen some pictures of what my girl's hairs look like when my husband has them. And <laughs> thankfully, my oldest is getting older and can now handle the hair situation. But just being like, that's, that's what works today. That's what's going to work. And what I've realized is some of those moments have honestly like also been so special. Um, I think my girls have such a closer relationship with my husband um, because of times where I'm gone and they get to have wonderful one-on-one -on -one time with him. And they have the funniest memories um, that before school, when I'm out of town, they have to go to the dairy with Daniel and check the dairy like very early in the morning. And every time I come back, they have the most hilarious stories of having to do their hair while in the truck and eating breakfast. And I think about that while our life may be a little unconventional with me traveling and being gone, um, it creates some really beautiful moments for our family, even if they maybe look different from other people's families. Aw, thank you for sharing that, Tara. I think you speak to a lot of us, uh, you know, whether we're the mom or the dad that are trying to balance a lot of things, right? So whether it is travel or whether it's, you know, being a dairy farm owner or manager, that 
has that that schedule of you know just unconventional hours that are a little bit different than some of the uh, parents of our fr- of our kids' friends, right? <laughs> and, uh, and just looking at that through a different lens of how maybe it would have been traditionally what we thought was important and able to really, really put this priorities into perspective. And thanks, uh, thank you, Tara, for sharing that piece of sustainability, human sustainability. Sanity sanity is very important. (laughs) And Tara, as we wrap up this episode of the Up Level Dairy Podcast, I'll like to end each episode with what I call the Up Level Five. And these are the five questions that are all about pushing your next level of performance personally and professionally. And so question number one I have for you, what does success look like to you? Yeah. So for me, I feel like success is kind of um, threefold. I um, am an Enneagram type three. I don't know if that means anything to people, but I am just like a goal setter, like list checker. Like that's my personality. Um, And so I do have the financial piece of success. I really like um, with my job being able to make like a decent living. That's that really makes me feel like my time is valuable. Um, I really like flexibility and control of my own schedule. I have worked from home even when I worked for a consulting company. I've worked for from home for over 10 years now. Um, so when COVID, when everyone went remote, it was nothing new for me. But it's been a lot of years since I've been in an office and had like a nine to five schedule. And I I am just so thankful for that flexibility. Sometimes it's like weird. Sometimes I work late at night. Sometimes I work early in the morning from my office. Like I have weird hours, but it's what works for us. And I love having that flexibility. Um, And then fulfillment. I genuinely love what I do. I love being able to share with people about agriculture. Um, And so I think that's a huge piece for me is just feeling feeling very fulfilled in um, being able to share about dairy and agriculture. Yeah. Absolutely. What a beautiful definition of success. Thank you for sharing that. And question number two, in three words, how do you want to show up each day? Uh, So the three words I picked for this were present. Uh, I feel like it can be very easy when you're a business owner to be thinking about the next thing that needs to get done or what tomorrow is going to look like. And you can very easily like let today or dinner time slip away by already like being planning out things. So being present, um, grateful. I think that the more I um, like work on myself and think about the things I'm grateful for, the more it the easier it is to kind of let some of the things go that don't actually matter. Like you hear that saying, like, if it's not going to matter past today or tomorrow or this week, like, why are you worrying about it now? And so the more grateful I am, the more I realize what's not important. And then my third word is determined. I um, am really focused on growing my business right now. And so I'm just very determined. I've set some big goals for myself, uh, my business partner and I have. um, And so just very determined. Awesome. Present, grateful, and determined. And Tara, I think uh, most of us listening could pick those words for you if you would have asked us. <laughs> yes. Question number three. So this is an interesting question for you uh, because you are very much a thought leader. But what, what are or who are two or three thought leaders that you follow, that you look to? So I really thought about this question for a long time, and I actually just recently um, have been focusing on that you like 
you are the five people that you spend the most time with. Um, and like that, your network is your net worth and like, show me your friends and I'll show you your, who you are. And so I have been just really focused on thinking about who is in my life, who's impacting, um, me because it ultimately impacts my family. Um, I have like, I've always worked remotely. So I've worked at home by myself. And while I had a boss and coworkers, I was kind of on my own. And now I have a business partner um, that I rely heavily on throughout my business. And I think about, you know, her influence on my life and us working together. um, And what a what a difference like one year of us being in business has made. And so I've really been focused instead of like naming like a big thought leader, it's, it's truly those people that you're just with on a day-to-day basis, which for me is, you know, my husband, my business partner, my family, um, and, and then friends and, and what kind of influence they're having on me. Is it positive? Is it a negative? I mean, we all have those people in our lives that we know, like lift us up and we want to do better and do bigger. And we know the people who can tend to be like a rain. I hate to say that, but that that do kind of like bring you down. Um, And just being really conscientious of what kind of energies uh, I'm allowing myself to be influenced by. Ah, Good. Good stuff, Dara. Good stuff. And uh, question number four, what words do you live by? Yeah. So this is actually a Coach Carter quote. um, And it is my screensaver. And it's a little long. I'm sorry, but I love it. It is our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. You playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that others won't feel insecure around you. What is good? I love that one. So someone, um, I had a, I was doing some uh, business coaching and someone read that and I was like, that is amazing. Like everyone be, be the light that you are meant to shine um, just because it can be so powerful. So what you just shared, Tara, reminds me of a passage from one of my favorite books, High Performance Habits by Bremen Richard. Have you read this one? No, I haven't read that one. I'll have to add it to our list. Okay. uh, So this, uh, this is a little bit long, but it's so good. And it reminds me of what you just said that I think there's there's going to be somebody else listening to this podcast that needs to hear it today. And it says this, do not dare play small, my friend. Do not feel guilt because you have high aims. Those dreams were seated in your soul for a reason, and it is your duty to honor them. Do not hold back in life just to comfort or placate those around you. Holding back is not humility. It's lying. If the people in your life did not know your true thoughts, feelings, needs, and dreams, do not blame them. It is your lack of voice or vulnerability or power, not their lack of understanding or ambition that is building the barricade to your potential. Share more and you you will have real relationships that can support you, energize you, lift you. Even if they don't support you or believe in you, at least you've lived your life. At least you put it all on the table. At least you honor the hopes of your heart and the calling on your soul. In your full expression lies your freedom. My friend, your next level of performance begins at your next level of truth. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Very similar, but I love it. It really is good. My my one word for 2023 is truth. And so I have this little sticky note uh, on my computer screen that says, your next level of performance is in your next level of truth. And that oh my gosh, that's great. Right into this year. So good word for the year. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but yes, it reminds me very much of what you just shared. And uh, I hope I hope there's somebody out there listening that took something away from both of those quotes that lights a little fire inside of them 
to not play small and remember that uh, they're here for they're here for a reason. And Tara, last question of the up level five: What is your next personal up level, the area of your life that you want to take to the next level this year? Yeah, so I feel like I spent the last two years completely focused on my businesses. Um, 2021, I launched New Mexico Milkmaid as a business and went full-time into it. Last year, it has been Elevate Ag, um, and this year, focusing on Discover Ag, our podcast. And I, so this year, I feel like I'm actually trying to focus more on personal development and personal growth um, and just trying to eat better, working out regularly, making a priority. It is it is easier said than done. I'm a business person. I love to work, but I have been holding myself to know I don't work until I've gone to the gym in the morning after I've dropped the kids off at school. Uh, and so just really trying to focus on some of the things that I, uh, that my personal things that I've put on the back burner because of business, family, other things. So just kind of, um, not to sound selfish, but just putting myself first a little bit and, and things that I I've been wanting to do or accomplish for myself. So some personal growth time is needed. Yeah, absolutely. And that is what will give you the energy to keep doing what you're doing. And that is being a voice advocating for sustainability and dairy and so, so much more. And so, Tara, thank you for joining us on the Up Level Dairy Podcast. For our listeners out there, we'll include links in our show notes to all the fun places where you can follow Tara online. Check out her podcast, Discover Egg, and uh, even follow her and her husband, Daniel, and some of the fun that things that he does on the dairy every day, too. Thank you so much for having me on. This was great. This episode of the Up Level Dairy Podcast is made possible by founding partner Adiseo, a global leader in nutritional solutions and premier provider of rumen-protecting methionine for dairy producers who want to optimize milk production, capture more value from components, and maintain the health of their high-performing herds. Feed is the greatest expense on any dairy operation, and don't you want to know how an adjustment to the ration will affect your bottom line? Adiseo empowers producers and nutritionists to make informed ration balancing decisions with MilkPay.com. Customizable to your dairy's own data, this profitability calculator puts the power of real-time milk marketing information in the palm of your hand. Find out how much your latest ration change is causing you with the free MilkPay app available on iOS and through MilkPay.com. Thank you for listening to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen. And if you like what you heard today, go ahead and head on over to upleveldairy.com to read the blog and join the Up Level Dairy email list so you can receive new podcasts, blogs, and special offers coming soon from Up Level Dairy straight in your inbox. To listen to more episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and don't forget to rate and review. Connect with me, Peggy, at Peggy at UpLevelDairy.com, and follow Up Level Dairy on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.